0: turn to 2nd Samuel chapter 11 2nd Samuel chapter 11 you know the lord lays burdens on your elders hearts so sometimes we depart from the plan and we bring those convictions to you really to us. They're what God has for all of us as he, as he lays burdens on your hearts as well. Second Samuel 11 verse 1 says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Amnon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. This passage we're familiar with, this passage, aren't we? Because we know it was the beginning of King David's fall into deep sin. And one of the important lessons we learn from this grievous incident in David's life is that not being on guard for sin, even small sins, leads to horrific outcomes. And also, being on guard, we have to be aware of the spiritual forces at work, don't we? Second, in 2 Second Corinthians You might remember Paul urges the church at Corinth to not be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he take advantage of us. Let me say that again. We're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, or he will take advantage of us. And we're warned that we must be on guard against his devices. And one thing Satan loves to do, it's one of his hobby horses, is he wants to minimize your sin. Make you think your sin's not that big of a deal, and instead focus on somebody else's sin. Minimizing the sinfulness of sin is one of Satan's great tactics and devices, making you think your sin's just not that bad. The voice of Satan says, your sins are small. They're minor. They should just be excused, in fact overlooked and really dismissed. Why are we even talking about them? Instead, you know what? You should just focus on other people's sins. I mean, other people's sins are huge compared to yours, right? And that's what you really need to focus on. Wicked evil thinking from Satan. Amen? Satan does this, and this is one of his devices we cannot be ignorant about, or, you know what? He'll take advantage of us. But you know who else minimizes sin? We do. We minimize our sin. So we must be on guard against our own hearts for this. We must be open, walking in the light, transparent, confessional. We must, in fact, as we were talking about this morning with a few, we must pray for a culture of confession amongst us. In our lives, in our families, in our church. In our family morning Bible study this morning, we've been talking about sins of commission, sins of omissions. And often, what we are very, very quick to minimize are our sins of omission, something God tells us we should do but that we don't. For example, loving others, bearing with one another, being generous, forgiving one another. Do you minimize your sins of omission and say, well, I might not be a very compassionate person, but I'll, at least I don't get angry like her. Or do we minimize and justify our sin by playing the comparison game? You ever done that? Yeah, I mean, I sin sometimes, but man, nothing like that guy. Whew, he sins. I'm just, like, hanging out. So leave me alone. This is not a big deal. Another way Satan tempts us to minimize our sins is by not making sin seem so bad, right? Or even calling it good. Have you ever done this? Made sin, maybe it's acceptable. This is what's spoken of in Isaiah 520. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Our culture is remarkably wicked in its ability to call evil good. Abortion, it's just a choice. Euthanasia is dying with dignity, you should know. Homosexuality, I mean, that's just how God made you. Better not fight against that. But is it just the culture doing that? Or could that creep into the church, into Christians' lives? Could we be influenced in this way as well? I think so, and here's why. When we minimize our sin, as Christians... When We kind of want to rationalize everything, don't we? It kind of, we have to reason through it or justify it. So if we have a good reason for our sin, if we can explain why we sinned, then it helps us minimize it. As it's been said, even in our little Christian culture, we call lukewarmness pacing yourself. We call apathy contentment. We call working too much and ignoring our families diligent. We call laziness resting. Covetousness, we call planning for the future. Greed, we call good stewardship. We call bullying our children tough love. We call cowardice not casting our pearls before swine. Compromising doctrinal truth we call uniting the body of Christ. Lust is called love, and so on. Additionally, we need to be very careful of minimizing our sin because there are great consequences to every sin, isn't there? Sins build upon sins. By minimizing or dismissing a sin, we grow callous then to that sin. And then we're ready to commit a more egregious sin all the more easily. Do you ever wonder... I've wondered, we've talked about it as a family, how can someone go rob a bank and sleep peacefully at night? Well, I'll tell you how. If your heart is hardened and seared towards it, it's not that big of a deal. If you, like a friend of mine growing up, had shoplifted from Walmart a hundred times growing up, he confessed in jail. Robbing a bank was just the next step. It wasn't a big deal. Oh, may we be on guard for this, brothers and sisters. Don't minimize or dismiss even the smallest sin because it will just lead to a greater one. This is the lesson of David, isn't it, that we started with here. David com- committed a seemingly not very big of a deal sin. He was lazy, right? Right. The time when kings go to war, David was hanging out in Jerusalem. But what did laziness lead to? Lust. Lust led to adultery. Adultery led to deceitfulness. Deceitfulness led to murder. Don't minimize a lesser sin because it actually just gives way to bigger sins. Another thing we need to be on guard for for minimizing our sins is in our confessions. When we confess, we might be tempted to omit some details, right? Or just give a partial confession because our fear of man rises up within us. It's painful to confess. In full transparency, sometimes, because we hate what we've done, and that's good. But the work's not done till we confess it all. We must walk in the light. Walking in the light means giving of ourselves, as we learned this morning, as a life of love, in a life of love to believers, and openly confessing, brothers and sisters. Sisters, God hates sin and we must must hate even the smallest sin as well. We must have soft hearts and be sensitive to sin and actually we should be growing in our sensitivity to sin and thereby growing in our humility and our brokenness over our sin. May we be serious about our sin, sober. And, And just, here's my application. When we sin, brothers and sisters, just stop. Slow down. Take inventory. What did you break? Who did you hurt? Don't just quickly move on. May the Lord do the work in our hearts that he needs to do. Don't brush it off. Don't minimize it. Own it. We need to be sensitive to sin, brothers and sisters, and we need to be honest with one another. And I'm so thankful for you brothers in here who even openly confess to me and say, I think I still love that sin a little bit, but I need to hate it more. Amen. Amen. We need to hate our sin more. That's it. Praise God. It's Galatians 5.17 says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. It's the same words of Paul in Romans 7 that we're familiar to, isn't it? For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I do not do, that I practice. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? It is an all-out war, isn't it? It's a war against sin, so we must strive for righteousness by openly confessing we fight this war on our knees and, and we confess that's how we win that's how Christ wins is confession brothers and sisters God may God help us all confess remember the promises of our God for where sin abounded grace abounded much more Because in Christ, you're not controlled by sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're freed from it. So let's not talk like slaves anymore. Put away slave talk. No more minimizing, excusing, blame shifting. We're done with that. We cling to the truth of God and who we are in Christ. Amen? Christ died for your sins. Even the tiniest sin you've ever done in your entire life put Jesus on that cross. Because surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. May we not minimize our sins, brothers and sisters. I've done this. I confess to you, I've done this. Maybe you've done this. We cannot minimize our sins because we're minimizing the powerful work of the gospel. I want to end with a portion of Psalm 32, going back to David. David here, speaking of the blessedness of confessing, of not minimizing his sin, of declaring it openly to God. And after God's hand is pressed upon him in deep conviction, he confesses and declares this, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of our, my sin. Brothers and sisters, may we live in this freedom that comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and not minimize our sins. Let's pray. Father, we cling and we hold tight to this promise that blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Oh God, help us. We confess to you we have minimized our sin, we have covered it, we have excused it, we have dismissed it. Oh God, and you died for these sins. Oh God, help us to walk in the light and even rejoice in the cleansing and purging work God is doing in our hearts so that you will be glorified. We take a moment now to confess to our God individually.